Sound of Fire and Soul, a community where leaders gather to unite in sovereignty in today's world. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, a seasoned and heart-centered coach and mentor on a mission to take you on a journey of self-empowerment with weekly guidance and channeled wisdom. Fire and Soul features brave and daring conversations with extraordinary leaders who have awakened from the illusion to help you claim sovereign leadership in life, love, and entrepreneurship. Let's listen, learn, and stand together as models for our new world, starting now. Hey there, welcome back to Fire and Soul. I am so excited for this Reimagined podcast and deeply grateful that you take the time to listen and clearly been sharing it with your friends because this podcast has tripled in downloads in the past few weeks and I am so proud to be on this platform, so proud to get to take a stand for the truth that I serve and to bring on incredible guests who have become friends and to get to share in dialogues from slightly different points of view, but all toward one goal, which is to have more love and connection with ourselves and with each other and with humanity at large. So I'm very, very excited to announce my next guest. I'm going to read her bio and then I'll welcome her into the show. Alexandra Stockwell, MD, is an intimate marriage expert who is known as the intimacy doctor. She specializes in showing couples how to build beautiful, long-lasting, passionate relationships. She's the best-selling author of Uncompromising Intimacy and the host of the Intimate Marriage Podcast. For over 20 years, Alexandra has shown men and women how to bring pleasure and purpose into all aspects of life, from the daily grind of running a household to clear and intimate communication to ecstatic experiences in the bedroom. She's a wife of 25 years and a mother of four. Alexandra believes the key to passion and fulfillment, intimacy and success isn't compromise. It's being unwilling to compromise because when both people feel free to be themselves and know how to love and be loved for exactly who they are, the relationship is juicy, nourishing, and deeply satisfying. Alexandra has been featured in the Huffington Post, Rolling Stone, USA Today, Cosmopolitan, Business Insider, Thrive Global, Fox News, NYC, and many other publications. And what an honor to have you here. Welcome to Fire and Soul, Alexandra. I am so grateful to be here, and I have heard my bio read, oh, so many times, and that was definitely my favorite. Oh, that means so much to me. I would like to share with my listeners how we met, because I feel like the universe conspired to bring us together. Do you want to share your version of that story in like a brief clip notes kind of way? Sure. We each have a very deep relationship with someone different ways I've heard about your conversations with her. And we were both at an intimate, glorious birthday party. And I want to say that one of the things that really connected you and me is that I set an intention to make a certain quality of heart contribution to that birthday party. Mm -hmm. And you seem to happen to name exactly that. And I felt seen in a way which honestly was new to me because I'm used to feeling seen deeply once there is a relationship. But the way you just saw me the first time we connected, that really touched me. Oh, 
Well, and to give context, you know, uh, we all met in Montecito at the Miramar Rosewood, just just swanky and beautiful and so divine and so needed, I think, for all of us feeling so caged up right for so long. Mm. And the dear friend we're talking about, I can share because she's been on this podcast twice, Marla Mattinson. And so it was a curated group of her girlfriends and it was an honor to be invited. But I think we all thought maybe an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, whatever. I don't know. I didn't have a timeline. We were there, there like, what, six hours later? <laughs> it was just the juiciest, yummiest connection. It was effortless. And I definitely felt a heart pull to you. I knew you were very smart. I knew that you were very wise, but you just, to me, you embodied presence and love. And then you're just this incredible orator, like so articulate, so elegant. And I was like, I've got to know you. And so the way that it goes sometimes in life in 2021, it seems, is you connect on a podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So yes. I've been looking forward to taking the next step in our friendship through this very conversation. Oh, By the way, um, and everyone, you've got to listen to the Intimate Marriage Podcast. Um, it's so good. And um, just yesterday, I think it was, you announced, you know, your 2.0 version and that you're having this intimate relationship with your podcast. Do you mind expanding on that a little bit? Because I feel no one had ever said it. Just like you said, I articulated what you were holding the intention for at her birthday. It's like, you just expressed how I feel about my podcast. So do share with my listeners what you meant by that. Well, I really look at the world through the lens of relationships. So Mm -hmm. you, of course, know that idea of rose-colored glasses or whatever it is that we see things through. And I think we each have some conscious and unconscious lenses that we see everything through. And one of my conscious lenses is the lens of relationship. And so when I wanted to up-level and improve my podcast, I realized, oh, we've had the perfect relationship, not to say there weren't challenges, but it's been the right relationship. That's a better way to say it. it. And just like that moment where maybe you're dating and then it's time to commit or you're committed and it's time to get engaged. Like there's a natural thing that's both mysterious and quite explicit that arises when one's listening. And Mm -hmm. I had the experience that in relationship to my podcast, something arose and I listened. And so now I'm in version 2.0, which it's so amazing to say this to you because, well, any loyal listener knows that that's your journey in a different context. Oh my God. I love that you said that. So are you now officially committed? What's the status if you had to put it up on Facebook of you and your podcast? Oh my goodness. I do not really fall in Facebook categories. I'm just going to use my own language that I had an intention when I started my podcast, I launched around Valentine's Day, 2021, and the intention is the same, but I think I had a lot more shoulds guiding me about how one should do a podcast. And my playground, my nourishment, my contribution is richest in the realm of relationship. And so I've internally shifted from a more professional relationship to my podcast to a more intimate one. And that feels just right, both for who I am, who my listeners are, and the topic and theme of my podcast. Ah, and another way that I would maybe offer that in my own language is 
the veil is lifted, right? It's like when we're dating, we're showing like our best versions, which is the professional podcaster. And then we build intimacy and connection and consistency, congruency. And we're like, ooh, I want to be fully me, which is what you talk about, free to be fully yourself. And when we get that experience, sorry, hold on a second. And so oh, I don't know where we was, get, yeah, tell me, okay, was, let's just let our listeners was, know someone knocked at the door again, the dogs got up. So we're, we're, this is take two, but we're not going to interrupt. Okay. Well, you were talking about <laughs> being the perfect podcaster and lifting the veil. Ah, oh, and at that stage in a relationship, right, where you go from dating to like true intimacy and authenticity. And when that feeling hits, I mean, how would you describe it? Because you're beginning to be there now, which is the 2.0 version. How are you experiencing yourself on the mic now? I feel like I'm in dialogue with my listeners as mm-hmm. opposed to presenting to my <gasps> listeners. Yes. No more performing. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I thought what we're calling performing here would serve people more. It would allow listeners to receive more. Mm -hmm. And just as it works in a relationship, when you think, oh, they're going to hear me burp and fart, (laughs) it's going to be unappealing in any real relationship that actually creates more vulnerability and therefore more emotional depth. I love it. Yeah. So beautiful that your massive passion and purpose for understanding relationship and helping others understand relationship is now happening with your relationship with the intimate marriage podcast. I just love it. Yes, exactly. Back it up a bit and just get what you would describe as intimacy So then we can go into where I think we want to go into today with uh, creating intimacy in our relationships in these very interesting times. I find that I do not have a consistent definition for intimacy. I don't agree with into me, you see. Mm. I know that's appealing and meaningful in many contexts, but I really relate to intimacy as an act of revealing and being received. So is it fair to say then the sort of self-development definition of intimacy of into me, you see, that's more passive, like it's almost someone else's job? Yes, like, exactly. I'm it's revealing, like, it's on me to cultivate intimacy. Exactly. So you do have profound attention and gifts to see people. But I don't get to feel intimate with you unless I'm seated in my heart and attention Mm. and willing to reveal who I am to you. You just seeing me is not enough. And look, we know this in the most tangible way in relationship where once a couple is really working to go deeper and up level, habits of perception are sustained until transformed. So let's Mm -hmm. just say in a heteronormative relationship, a man hasn't shown up in one way or another, and now he's really showing up for her. She does not experience that. She experiences how he didn't show up for her until she makes the transition into the new way of being. 
in personal growth circles, we talk about taking 100% responsibility for our own experience. And all of that is great. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty, it's in moments of awareness that who we're with is not who he was three years ago or last week. Maybe he is, Mm -hmm. but maybe he isn't. And it really takes a certain presence and both openness and receiving and willingness to reveal, to be able to genuinely experience the reality as it is. Mm, Yeah. And it just seems as a beautiful segue into what I know we've kind of discussed talking about, although there's no rules around here, is there've been a lot of shifting, right? You talked about he may or may not be who he was three years ago or last week. I can barely identify who with who I was yesterday. Are you experiencing something similar in this past year and a half, almost two years? I'm experiencing something similar, but to be perfectly honest, it's not pandemic related. I feel that has been the case through the evolution of my adulthood. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to minimize anything, but I feel like I've been through a series of voluntary and involuntary pandemic experiences. Mm -hmm. And so for me personally, the growth in the last 18 months has been profound, real, and significant, but doesn't stick out so dramatically compared to most other 18 months before it. Mm -hmm. Got it. For me, it feels like a shamanic death. As Mm -hmm. I know I've referenced, it's like this entire identity was one thing in terms of my place in the world, what the world is, heard lots of things for decades. And then it became very clear to me. So it was just, it's a, it was like a sharp growth expansion that was brutal, but it wasn't the only one for me either. Where I am now, and this is what I'm so excited to talk to you about, the intimacy expert, is cultivating intimacy with people that we really care about, our significant other, our family members, business relationships, business partners, colleagues, community, where you might not all be on the exact same page. Just going through that experience, probably from the perspective that you just offered, which is sitting in our own heart, right? And not being attached to having anyone see it the way we see it and or waking up even more or whatever the things are or staying so attached to the other side of the narrative. And so... I don't even know where we're going to begin with any of this, but I have an opinion. I have a give me an opinion because let's just let it be here. This is going to be a mini masterclass and helping us to really savor our relationships that matter to us and not let them be permanently damaged in a time where it's just unnecessary. Gorgeous. I want to share three different things as the context for where I'm coming from. Okay. Three things completely different from one another. The first is that my heart, my passion, my contribution in many ways is for children. And I believe that the absolute very best thing that I can do for children is teach their parents how to have fantastic relationships. Mm -hmm. And I really deeply believe that when more couples, but this extends to other kinds of relationships. I'm just used to speaking about it in terms of couples have really connected intimacy 
on all kinds of levels, mm-hmm. that when enough people live that way, many of the world's problems are resolved and just dissolve. And those which remain are much more easily addressed and transformed. I really believe that this is the not so secret sauce Mm -hmm. that changes everything, whether we're talking at the local level or the global level, even to climate change, that when individuals know how to be present with themselves and one another with authenticity and openness and sovereignty, then we can navigate all kinds of things which we as a species haven't been doing so well at navigating. That's one of my starting points. Another one is that my stepfather, who was a very active part of my life since I was nine years old, Mm. defected from communist Romania in 1968. He lived under Ceausescu, which is widely understood as the worst of the communist regimes. To put it in perspective, They have all kinds of jokes. One is that in the winter, make sure to keep the windows closed so the passersby on the street don't get chilly. Okay, got it. Because of the lack of material possessions, there were families put together to share a one-bedroom home who didn't know one another. It was very extreme. And so conspiracy theories, as we encounter them now, like I just lived with that with a kind of normalcy because it was the unquestioned reality Mm -hmm. that people in severe communist countries lived with. It's, it, this isn't a, it's totally new that it's pervasive in this way in the United States, but it wasn't a shock to my system because Mm -hmm. I grew up with the awareness Mm -hmm. of my stepfather's experience. And now Mm -hmm. the third thing I want to share is that I'm born in Greenwich village I've lived in Europe and up and down the East Coast. And as part of a lot of transitions, my family, my husband, and at the time, three children, we had our fourth, we moved to rural Kansas. We lived there from 2010 to 2012. Mm -hmm. At the time, President Obama was in office. And I had never lived or spent much time visiting in the middle of our country. And so I thought that the descriptions of people in rural evangelical Midwestern towns were like caricatures in the New Yorker. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any understanding that they were actually precise descriptions. Those of us who didn't live in those places didn't know that in 2010. So I moved there. It was the first time that I had lived anywhere where there was just unapologetic overt racism. And when we moved there, there were 40 churches and one bookstore. And soon after we moved there, the bookstore went out of business. What I want to describe is that my husband and I are very much committed to one another. We have our four children. We are white and we homeschool. I'm currently in my 14th year of homeschooling. It it didn't come with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So when we got there, everyone around us, oh, and I should add that I'm Jewish. Everyone around us assumed that we were homeschooling because of what the Bible says and that we were evangelical Christians with a certain amount of racism and 
other political views and the whole kit and caboodle. Mm -hmm. They just assumed that's who we were. And I was actually, I'll say, naive initially and had no idea those assumptions were happening until after a few months, I realized the husbands of the women I became friends with never would have let us associate with one another if they had known, but they never asked questions. And I just didn't know what their assumptions were and didn't realize that just by being myself, being kind, being interesting, being responsive, I fit what they were thinking. So mm -hmm. I did not want to be a hermit while we lived there. I wanted to have friendships with these people. And it was a very deep and profound experience for me to realize many of them had never traveled, not necessarily left the state of Kansas. Most of the women I was with, there was one who had a four-year college degree and others maybe had done some community college, but not necessarily. They were proselytizing evangelical Christians. We added to the five registered Democrats in the population of 25,000. I could go on and on, but what I want to say is that it revealed to me what I had used to create relationships in the past, the bridges that I had formed based on commonalities. Mm. Because suddenly I didn't have a single commonality. Yes, we all spoke English. Yes, you were all living there. <laughs> but beyond that, I had the books we had read, there were like none of the reference points. And so for a moment in conversation with myself, I was in a little bit of free fall. Like, how do I connect? Mm. I would have felt more similar to the people around me in a lot of other places in the world. Mm. But what I did is I understood that we are all human beings and I dropped into my heart in a way I never had consciously before. Mm. The root there had existed, obviously, but I, I have some of the most beautiful friendships with women there because mm -hmm. I chose to go below all of the conscious content and mm -hmm. connect with mm -hmm. humanity. And it turned out to be incredibly rich. And I'll go on and share just one more thing, which is that there was a woman that I was friends with. She had eight children, had homeschooled. The oldest really turned away from all of that and disown the family. And they didn't talk for two years. It was very painful for the mother. And at some point the girl called home and said, mom, I love you. Mm. And I want to see you. And I want to come home. I am not a Christian. I don't believe in homeschooling. And I might even be a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to come home. And the mother told me later, she didn't even take a breath. She said, sweetheart, I love you. Come home. Mm -hmm. But if we hadn't been friends, if she hadn't had a meaningful relationship with someone different than her, she knew she never would have responded that way. Mm -hmm. So that informs the conversation we're opening together. And that was so potent. There was something that you said there that really stood out. And it's like this conscious content. And one of the things that's been coming up for me a lot is embracing this concept of melting my consciousness. Mm. And the way I want to loop that in is 
something that you just offered there at the end is the reason why she was able to receive her daughter in that moment with such open heartedness and instantly, right. Is because she had been primed by something that was outside of her conscious content. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at some of the relationships that I have with people that I care deeply about, like my father and my female mentor, and they're both on the opposite side of this current narrative. And yet I love them so much. Nothing can ever take my love away for them from them. And I also would never ever want to hurt or scare them. Right. And I just want the best for them. And so if I can just use that as my reminder, my anchor to bring into some of the other relationships that you're like, it's so easy to dismiss, right? We don't really have anything in common anyway. Our values aren't aligned or whatever. We don't have enough context and history together. But if we're really for a beautiful new world, a grand awakening in whatever reality that is, right? Because we get to choose it. Then we have to be it on the most microscopic levels. And it means dropping into your heart, sitting with yourself. And I don't even know the next piece to that. I am figuring it out as I go. It's not easy, but I'd love to know what your thoughts are on whatever that next thing might be that we could open to. I'm going to say exactly what you've just said with Mm -hmm. different words. And in the way that I'm saying it, it provides the way for the next thing to emerge. And Mm -hmm. that is whether it is a parent who is upset with a child's behavior or a couple which is either disconnected or connected and in conflict, Mm -hmm. or you overhear someone saying something that you just do not believe in line ahead of you at the Starbucks, like whatever the context, including with your father and your mentor, the really what I would say, awakened, challenging, gratifying thing to do is to keep the focus on the connection. That the thing which is sacred and ideally immovable, not because it's static, but in terms of where your attention is, is the experience of the connection. Because very often... Well, with any of those examples, when we want to make sure our kid does X, Y, and Z, or your partner just says something and he's just wrong and I'm right, or you're talking about whether vaccination is what this world needs or not, like any example, it is so easy to have the content be front and center. And when we're talking about relationships and actually changing anyone's minds, quite frankly, yeah, it's in focusing on the connection that the next thing emerges because we're listening to the part which can guide us reliably. And when mm-hmm. we're listening to our concepts, that's helpful in our personal relationship with ourselves, is what I mean, but it the concepts and the content do not guide the deepening of the relationship the way focusing on the connection does. So maybe we could talk about what that actually means to focus on the connection. You and I know that we are both very enjoyably and actively doing that in our conversation right now, that the feeling between us to me, seems louder than what we're actually saying to one another. So well put. I agree. 
So when doing that with someone, I don't know who your mentor is and I don't know the relationship other than what you've shared on your recent podcast. So I'm going to go with that. Okay. So what that could look like in staying focused on the connection might be that you catch a lot sooner than you did, Mm. according to what you shared in the podcast, that that she's becoming overwhelmed and scared. That when your focus is on the connection, you end up calibrating to when you change the topic or how it is that you share some very essential wisdom you have, rather than you pouring out with your enthusiasm and deliciousness, which is fine in so many contexts. We don't want to be contained and constrained. But when we're talking about a relationship with someone who just lives in a different world in terms of what they're aware of, mm-hmm. paying primary attention to the experience of the connection naturally results in better calibration. That is so well said. And I love that because I caught it at the end of the dinner, right? And even when she drove me to my car, I was worried that I had caused damage and then didn't sleep well and woke up like at 5 a.m., which is super early for me, and texted her. I knew she got, she gets up early too. And she responded with focus on the connection. Her first words in the text were, I love you and nothing will ever take that away. And yes, last night was hard. And she's like, and sometimes friends just agree to disagree because that's what friends do. And it was just so wise. And it did though show me like, A, I would never ever want to hurt or scare her. Um, And I do want to just be more mindful, more present to has the energy shifted and I'm not focused on the connection and I'm more focused on the content because I've got to save her. It's like, it's not my job. My job is to love her. And she is clearly a remarkable woman, which we knew already because of her role in your life. But of course, so many people that we're talking with are not going to respond the next morning with the connection is what matters. I love you. I will always love you. That is not how most people are responding these days, whichever side of things they're on. And so a few more specific ways that can be helpful because of course the capacity to just attune to the connection is a very refined one and it takes practice and it involves overshooting sometimes and learning from that or undershooting and feeling afterwards like I really should have told her the truth. So just to be clear, like there's an art to focusing on the connection and being well calibrated. It is a learnable skill and it comes with practice. So that is one thing to be really clear for any listener inspired to do this. Be compassionate with yourself. Mm. And the next thing is that you don't actually have to figure it all out. You can say partway through the conversation, as soon as you have a question, how is this conversation for you? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to keep going? I have so much more I want to share with you, but is this something you actually want to hear about right now? Mm -hmm. Like getting opt-in does so many things. It allows, well... It invites sovereignty for all participants. It, it, it honors the sovereignty in everyone and it 
evokes it by asking that question. Mm. And it also provides like a beat to integrate and check in because it could be that someone, I mean, we're so used to just continuing to speak with one another. And when you say, is this a conversation you want to have right now? Mm. Or do you want to continue? And of course, I know you notice, Michelle, but I just want to emphasize, like, I'm asking in a fairly receptive way. It's not, do you want to continue? It's, right. is this something you want to, it has to be a real question, not just a pro forma statement. Mm-hmm. And then it provides an opportunity for the other person to be like, hmm, do I want to continue? It's not a question most people ask while in conversation with people they love. Yeah. Often questions can cause so much beauty and connection. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that the friends around Marla's birthday table ask a lot of opt-in questions. I am still learning. And like I, if I could have done that dinner over, but I learned from it and now I've shared with thousands and thousands of my listeners. <laughs> between that and now Alexandra, you're taking note. But again, gentle, gentle, right? As we learn, but the, um, the opt-in is so powerful and then catching it a little sooner and a little sooner and then recognizing, cause this would be something that I bet could come up for me. And I'm sure I'm the only one, which is, okay. I realize this is probably a, an opportunity to ask an opt-in question, but yet I won't, right. I'm still just going to go. And that's a piece in me that is being revealed in this time, which is why I'm so curious and sincere about how do we cultivate more intimacy here in these times. And you have offered so many beautiful nuggets from such a soft, gorgeous, super wise heart. And I can't believe our time is coming to an end. How in the world did that happen? I want everyone to listen to the Intimate Marriage Podcast. This is just a tiny little snack. What else? As we begin to wrap up, do you wish that I would have asked you in this conversation around this this intimacy and sovereignty in these very interesting times? I don't have a wish for what you would have asked me. I have, I feel well sated with the questions you've asked. And I want to offer one more thing, which is that growth and evolution is mysterious. Mm. So you watched Plandemic and it woke you up. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that happens. Most of the time, rapid wake up is in involuntary context with crisis or tragedy or something shocking. The much more gentle path of waking up happens more mysteriously. It happens more subtly. An example is this woman that I spoke about where I didn't have any agenda with anyone else. I was just focused on being true to myself. In fact, this was this is worth adding too, that when I lived in rural Kansas, I had teenagers, I had a six-year-old. And one of the most important things to me is that I be respectful and focus on the connection with the people I was with without being two-faced or out of integrity with the truth of what my children know about me at home. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't be one way with my friends and another way at home 
because that's not the way I want to parent. I don't want to be a role model doing that. And this meant that I really needed to find my true way in a context that wasn't mine. That was my focus. Like if I had any agenda, it was to be in integrity in front of my children while navigating circumstances when it would have been so easy to contort and become somebody else to fit in. And Mm. I just couldn't tolerate that in myself. But the result of my having integrity and connection again and again and again is that this woman who probably didn't know that this change was happening until her daughter called her really responded from a place that had been previously dormant for her whole life. And so Mm -hmm. I say this because if you have a loved one and you want them to change, focus on the connection, on your own integrity, on being more refined and more sovereign and more potent in yourself. And people around you will change. Mm. So don't give up on other human beings. That's really the point that I want to make. They can drive you crazy, but do not give up on them. Giving up on them is in a way a giving up on yourself. Oh my God. It's so true. It's so true. And I literally, I'm going to hop on the mic and record a solo today. And I'm going to share about this experience that I just had with a very dear friend. And I thought she was on my side of the narrative. Not that there are sides. I really don't like that. There's a million ways to look Mm -hmm, at this. mm -hmm. So many contexts. And when I discovered that she wasn't, I was once again, very clumsy in that communication. And I said, I, cause she's like, I just want to talk about shopping and and music. That's how I want to live right now. And I said, and I don't know if I'm available for that right in this time. And so anyway, we were able to have a beautiful connection from that moment. But in that first response, it was like, I was not focused on the connection. I was focused on not being available for that. That is okay. In that moment, I wasn't. And it was like, and if, if, it's like we're doing a 2.0 in this friendship right now, right? We are we and we get to create it. And and I, I'd love for you to opt in. And I'd like to know what you'd like me to opt in on, right? You want some more shopping and, and music. And I want more of these kinds of conversations, right? And uh, because this is what I'm passionate about right now. This feels like it's the most important thing to me in the world. And yet that was important to her. And so we, we were able to come together on it. But then as I drove away, I thought, I don't know. I don't know if we'll actually end up making it as friends. And that was all me. That had nothing to do with her. She's the same beautiful soul that I've always known. So Alexandra, thank you for making me become even more present to, I want to cry, like how important it is to focus on the connection. Where are we in our own integrity? Are we sitting in our heart? you know, and from there we can lead by that example and all is wonderful. And if it's not, we can navigate it together. Yeah, right. Exactly. Cause it doesn't need to all be wonderful all the time. I love this. I'm, I'm like getting curious in my mind about like, what will we call this? I don't know, but I love this concept of increasing our capacity to connect. Yes. And that right. is something When I talk about increasing the capacity to connect, I think that is dancing with what you mean when you say sovereignty. Mm. What a joy to have you on.
<laughs> Just as delicious as I anticipated. Me too. This was so wonderful. And I'm going to let my, my listeners know this was our third try. Like there was some reschedules and it just was really wonky. And I knew it was going to be divine time. And I'm so grateful for your understanding and patience as we navigated together getting here to this moment. Totally. And I knew as soon as I heard about 2.0 that I <laughs> wanted our conversation on this side of the line between one and 2.0. That's right, baby. And this is how it is going forward and how I'm sure it will be as you continue to evolve in your relationship with your podcast 2.0. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Where's the, where's your favorite place uh, for connection? um, If my listeners would like to, uh, to listen to all the goods. The Intimate Marriage Podcast and the IntimateMarriagePodcast.com. Excellent. Beautiful. My goodness. I mean, it's like hanging out with Alexandra every time you push play. (laughs) I can't thank you enough, love. Really, really appreciate this beautiful, heartfelt connection today. Thank you for coming on Fire and Soul. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fire and Soul. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. And if you'd like to connect on social, you can find me anywhere at Michelle Sorrow. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.